peace be with you. As we gather here for worship this morning, I invite you to simply take two or three breaths to help center yourself in this place and in this space. Let's now prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Blessed are we. Blessed are we. Blessed are we. Blessed are we.
seated. Welcome to worship here this morning at Westminster. A particularly warm welcome to you if you're visiting. I know visiting a new church or perhaps church for the very first time can be a scary thing, but you should feel safe here, and we're glad that you're here. And the rest of us who've been here for some time, take a moment to look around and find someone you don't recognize, and please extend, extend to them the hand of fellowship following the service. I hope you have a chance to stop by our welcome table so that you can leave us your information if we don't have it, that we might be in better touch with you. And let us join now together with our community prayer. Let us pray. Loving God, break into our lives and draw us to you. Too often we turn away from you, trusting in our limited insight alone, and are surprised when we end up weary and confused. Instead, open us to receive all that you have to offer, a healing touch, an enlightening word, a call to do your work, of justice in the world. Shake up our lives so that we may be an active part of your world where the poor are fed, the excluded are welcomed, the sorrowing are consoled, and the lost are found. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Friends, what is it you need? Is it forgiveness? Is it strength to carry on? Is it encouragement to try again? Hear the good news of the gospel. In Christ, it is yours. All of it is yours. You may be assured of this and be at peace. Amen. It is the Sunday of the month when we offer a blessing for those who are having a birthday or for those who missed their birthday month week. So if, if, this, is your, uh, if this is your month, I invite you forward to receive a blessing. Here is a poem for you on the occasion of your birthday from our own Jane Callender Christison. It's called An Absolute. I do not ask what if I had not moved from the safe to the uncertain. What if I had not unfolded the wings of dreams and flown miles north to the sea? I have watched the raven look over his shoulder, but not for long. He flies forward without questions, taking along no what-ifs. It's one thing to live life with reflection, but it's quite another to lose your entire life to an endless string of what-ifs and regrets. 
So may you dash forward into this new year without question. Happy birthday. And may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, lift up our countenance to you and give you peace. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, lift up our countenance to you and give you peace. Adrian, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, lift up our countenance to you and give you peace. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, lift up our countenance to you. Maybe see All right, I invite forward now any children who are here for a time of discovery. Uh, you can come by any mode of transport you'd like. See, we have a trend. Perhaps I'll recess that way today. <laughs> I've been called a snake before. <clears throat> oh, it's nice to see you all. Welcome. I have to tell you, there is so much interesting happening in my neighborhood. Now, maybe there is in your neighborhood too. I'd be interested to hear about what's happening in your neighborhood. I can think of two examples that relate to today a little bit. A little while back, we had a bulb. You know what a bulb is? It's a flower that comes back year after year, and it's in this little sort of ball. It looks like a nut or something. And every year, a flower comes out of that. Well, it was sitting on our porch for some time, just in this sad little vase, and nothing much was happening. So finally, after looking at it week after week after week, I took it into the yard, dug a little hole, stuck it in there. And wouldn't you know, a couple of months later, a little plant started to grow and a little flower started to come up when the rains came. Second story. We were talking to one of our neighbors, lost art these days, and uh, he was telling us, showing us pictures of what our neighborhood looked like when it was first developed many, many years ago. And he told a story about a neighbor up the street who had all kinds of animals. Uh, all kinds of farm animals. And he even told a story about how one day some of the pigs got out and made their way down the block. We live on a big hill, kind of eating their way through people's landscaping, which didn't go well. And she, they literally had to get trucks and corral them back up the hill into her yard. She didn't just have pigs. I think she had sheep. She had all kinds of animals. What an interesting place we live. It's called Fairfax. But wouldn't you know that when Jesus talked about God, one of the ways he talked about God was planting things and growing things. He did that all the time in different ways. And those of you in Sacred Stories today are going to hear about one time Jesus talked that way about God. I think he did that to help us understand what is ultimately really hard to understand. And did you know another time when Jesus was talking about God and how to live life well? He talked about being a shepherd and taking care of animals. Huh. If you're in third and fourth grade, you're going to hear a story about that. And I wonder what will strike you about those two ways of talking about God. And I wonder what you'll be able to tell your adults about it afterwards. All right.
Let's go to Sunday school. Go now in peace. Go now in peace. May the love of God surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. I encourage you, if you are one of the adults attached to one of those young people, to ask them uh, about Sunday school each week, not as a quiz, but as a way to engage them and ask their teachers what story it was. So if nothing else, you can look it up together uh, in the evening and talk about it. It's the time of the service when we share our joys and concerns. This is so that we can be better connected to what's going on in one another's lives and so that we can hold one another in prayer, not only when we're gathered for worship, but when, when you're doing your daily spiritual practices. So if you have a joy or a, a concern or something to share for the group, please raise your hand. Yes, please. Yeah, uh, just a reminder, there's going to be a celebration of Michael Pierce's life here Saturday at 11. They're going to be performances by numerous groups that Michael sang with over the years. Lots of stories, lots of laughter, followed by a pop like Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Many of you remember Michael from our choir who died this past year. And this will be a special, I think, musical uh, celebration of his life this Saturday, and you're all invited to be a part of that. 11 o'clock? 11 o'clock. Others? Well, I'll, I'll uh, name one while others perhaps come to mind. Um, if you were here early, you will have seen a bunch of cars parked at our entryway. We've got this group delegation that we blessed last week who are down uh, going back and forth across the U.S.-Mexico border as we speak to try to learn more about what's happening and how to be faithful in light of that reality. And we simply ask that you hold those folks in prayers uh, that it might be a blessed experience. Anyone else? Joan. Thank you, Joan. Joan lifts up some of uh, the important work that's happening with the Tuesday night uh, dinners for those who are in need. And one of the downsides of not having the rest shelter located in our church anymore is that um, sometimes these folks who, who make their homes outside are more out of sight and sadly, therefore, out of mind. And so if you want to become more involved, I'm sure Joan or many others, I could tell you about ways you could do that because there are still some meals happening for those who have not been placed in homes yet. Anything else for the good of the group? Well, then let us just as we... Oh, is there another one? Oh, please. Thank you. Yeah. I just want to add prayers for the future of our democracy. Yeah, prayers for our country, the future of our democracy. Prayers for all those who've been placed in leadership roles, that they might uh, be blessed with wisdom and the ability to work together. As we move into a time of prayer, I also lift up the notion that on any given Sunday, there are so many prayers that are too delicate to say aloud or perhaps too unformed, perhaps too raw or simply too private. 
And so we recognize those in this room and all that people carry in their lives, good, ill, and somewhere in between. And so let us enter a time of prayer. Holy One, we call to you not from a distant place, but seeking to recognize your nearness. Open us to your blessing. Help us in humble ways to become blessing for those who suffer, who stray, who are lost or hurting. Open us to receive your blessing as we hurt. Bind us together as one community that shares sorrow and celebration, joys and laughter. We pray to all that has been said and all unsaid. In the name of Jesus the Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever.
first scripture reading this morning is Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8. Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out the roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Our second reading this morning comes from the gospel according to Luke. Let us listen for how the Spirit is speaking to us this morning. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice on that day. And leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. The Reverend William Williman was for many years the dean of the chapel at Duke University. And he tells a story about one day when his assistant came in to let him know that he had a phone call and on the line was a man who seemed rather upset. And William Williman immediately thinks, oh dear, what did I say on my sermon last Sunday that made him so upset? The assistant says, he sounds like he's upset, something about his daughter. So Williman's now curious, he picks up the phone, and immediately the man says, I hold you personally responsible. Williman says, well, you're going to have to tell me a little more than that. The man continues, we sent our daughter to Duke University to get a good education so she could get a good job. And now she has some harebrained idea about going to Haiti. 
And the, the man keeps talking and Willeman starts piecing together that his daughter is a student who has been very involved in the chapel and in the previous year had even led a student mission trip down to Haiti. And the man continues, she's about to graduate with a Bachelor of Science degree from Duke, but she's not looking for a job, no. She says she's going to go teach children in Haiti for the next three years. It's your fault, Reverend Williman. She's been listening to your sermons, and you know she's at a very impressionable age. Now, right about now, Williman has heard enough, and he starts pushing back a little bit. He's like, well, sir, isn't it you who had your daughter baptized when she was a baby? And said, oh, yeah, yeah, we did that. And isn't it you who made sure that she attended Sunday school classes as she was growing up? Sure, of course, but Williman says, oh, well, the blame does not lie with me then. You are the one who introduced her to Jesus. This is your fault, not mine. The man thinks for a moment. He said, well, but all we wanted was her to be a good Presbyterian. And Williman says, you messed that up. You have gone and made a disciple. And I hear that story, and I can commiserate with the dad. I'm a parent. In fact, at a dinner party not too long ago, I had multiple people ask me if my son had started thinking about high school yet. I said, well, no, my son's 11. He's in sixth grade. And the response I got was, well, he needs to start thinking about getting into the right high school so he can get into the right college and into the right grad school so he can get the right job. I had to take a deep breath. And I knew what they meant by right. You know, get into a college that has some prestige, some name recognition to shoot my son into that right job where he can be successful and have some good earning potential. That does seem to be the right track for many in our society and in our culture. But I'm not sure that's exactly the right track according to Jesus. And we hear in Luke's gospel today, Jesus offering some very unexpected, some very surprising blessings. Jesus tells the disciples and those who are gathered around, blessed are the poor. Blessed are you who are hungry now. Blessed are you who weep. Blessed are you who are hated and excluded. And he doesn't just stop there. As if people have not yet gotten his point, he continues, Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full. Woe to you who are well spoken of. I can picture the disciples hearing all of this with this look of confusion on their face. You know, Jesus is taking everything that they know about power and status and wealth and turning it upside down. You know, in that society, it was supposed to be the powerful and the privileged who were blessed. Jesus, you're taking all of our conventions and assumptions and messing them up. Jesus' message back then was certainly very countercultural. And we could make the argument that it continues to be a countercultural message today. I'm working 
slowly, very slowly, toward a doctor of ministry degree at San Francisco Theological Seminary. And so I've been doing a lot of reading and research for my dissertation project focused on vocation and calling, specifically in teenagers. And as I've done more reading and more research, the question I keep asking myself is, in our society today, when there are so many voices telling our young people what they should do, what they should be, how they should get get there, how they should be successful. How is it that our young people cut through all those voices to listen for the voice of God? How is it that they figure out what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in our world today? One person that I've been reading a lot is named David White. He's a seminary professor in Texas. And he says, every young person in American culture is formed by the myth that happiness can be found at the cash register. And every young person must decide how he or she will embrace or resist that vision. You know, I think about that student at Duke University who was able to resist that vision of the cash register. But then I think, what about all the adults in these young people's lives? Are they able to resist that vision of the cash register? You know, there are so many voices, so many of them leading us away from Jesus' call to follow him. To whom do we listen? And then we have the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah tells us, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. It is so easy to listen to the very human voices that are all around us. But says Jeremiah, it is only when we trust in and listen to God that our roots grow deep and that our branches bear fruit And certainly this isn't an issue that only young people face. I think about a family member of mine in Cammie's who's in her late 40s, still very young, of course, but has three kids. And she was in a job for a long time, was very successful. It was a very lucrative job. She did advertising sales for a radio station. She said the more and more that she did that job, the more and more that it was starting to overtake her life. You know, all of her time and energy was focused on this job. In fact, she said at one point that it felt like it was soul-sucking. So about a year ago, she made the decision to quit that job. And instead, she became the manager of a local donut store. It's like I'm making up that story, but I'm not. (laughs) And I tell you what, she loves her new job. She has to wake up before the sun to start baking the donuts. She's making much less money than she did before, still enough to provide for her family. And she loves her job. Every picture I see of her in that donut store, she has like this huge grin on her face. But when she made that change, all of those who were close to her, at least many of those who were close to her, could not understand what she was doing. In fact, to hear the reaction of many of her friends and family, you would have thought she was quitting her job to do something illegal. You know, <laughs> what is she thinking? Has she gone crazy? I can't, what? If, utter disbelief that she would turn her life 
upside down, move away from her successful, lucrative job to manage a donut store. Now, I don't know if she would consider working in a donut store, God's calling on her life, but I do know this. I know that because she now works extra early hours, she's home when her kids get home from school, something she couldn't do before. She has much more time in her life to be in relationship with her friends and her family. She has found all kinds of ways to serve the customers who come through those doors every day. So maybe, in fact, it is a calling. Now, I realize that it was from a place of privilege that she was able to do this. You know, we aren't all in the position to quit our jobs and start working at a donut store. You know, I think about that Duke student. We aren't all able to go spend three years teaching in Haiti. But really, the specifics of their individual stories aren't as interesting to me as the motivation behind it. You know, each one of those women took some serious time to listen for God's call, to think about what it meant for them to be a disciple of Jesus and then to do some pretty serious changes to turn their lives upside down in order to then be a blessing for others. You know, those who know me well know that I often like to think in music. I think in songs. And so as I've followed my family member's journey uh, through her donut store experience, I keep thinking about this song. It's called Upside Down. It's by Jack Johnson, and he wrote it for the Curious George movie that came out several years ago. It is a song literally inspired by a monkey. You know, because as you think about monkeys swinging through trees, often they swing upside down, and they get quite an interesting perspective on life. So I've asked Scott to help me sing this song for you today. And as you listen to this song, I want you to think about what it might look like for you to live in that upside-down space, that space where the Duke student found herself, where my family member found herself, really that space where Jesus calls us to live. You know, some of the lyrics of this song, who's to say what's impossible? You know, that upside-down space where perhaps anything is possible. I share this love I find with everyone, says the song. That upside-down space where we know that it is not just the powerful and the elite who know God's love. It's all people. So let's sing this for you.
of so many good lines in that song for me, but perhaps my most favorite line was the very last one. He asks a question at the end of the song. Is this how it's supposed to be? I like that line because I can imagine that's a question that Jesus probably asked fairly regularly. Also a question that he calls us to ask. You know, as we look at the world and we see so much wealth concentrated in the hands of so few people, is this how it's supposed to be? We look at the world and we know there is enough food for everyone, yet people still go hungry. Is this how it's supposed to be? You know, as we see people suffering injustice, injustice in which we may play a systemic role, is this how it's supposed to be? No, no, this is not how it's supposed to be. So Jesus asks us to make some changes, to take a look around, to see what we may be able to turn upside down, to see that all people are blessed. Now, don't be fooled by the rather lighthearted song we just sang, because this is hard work. You know, I go back to David White He says, God's truth may, in fact, be an unpopular minority opinion, scandalous to common sensibilities. Graduating from Duke University and going to Haiti, unpopular. Living in such a way that the poor and the hungry and the excluded are blessed, a minority opinion. Listening to God's call and seeking ways to offer education and opportunities to those who are poor in order to break that cycle of poverty, making sure that the hungry are fed not just today, but every day, gathering in those who are excluded and sharing God's overwhelming abundant love with all. Perhaps scandalous, but that is what we are called to do as disciples of Jesus Christ, to turn not only the world upside down, but to turn each of our own lives upside down, to make sure that we are doing justice and loving kindness every day. Amen.
seated. As we say each week, there's much going on in the life of this beloved community. There's plenty in your bulletin to look at, also the website, and some of you may not realize, but there's a weekly email that does go out from the church, but uh, sometimes people change their email addresses and don't notify us, or it gets spammed out, or you've somehow not signed up yet. So if you're not receiving that, it's called Sundays and More, let us know and make sure we have your current contact information. It's a great way to stay up to date on what's happening in the life of the church. I'll highlight just a couple of things for you. As was mentioned a week or so ago, uh, this choir, which is uh, growing, it looks to me, is still in need of a tenor, especially in light of a an upcoming special on Bach this spring. And so if you fit that bill, 
otherwise would like to sing, please see Ruth E. Uh, I'm sure she would love to have you. Uh, after worship today, at about 20 after the hour, I'll do the final installment of this series, What Does the Bible Say About Migrants? What better way to enjoy a beautiful sunny day than to listen to me lecture? <laughs> that will be in Fireside for those of you who are averse to sunlight. It's, Lent is just around the corner, and I encourage you to keep your eyes peeled for a wonderful series, evening series on Tuesdays that the Spiritual Life Commission will be sponsoring. So just watch out for that. And with that, I encourage you to rise in body or spirit for our closing hymn, number 738. So I have to share a really short story with you before the benediction. Uh, that story I told about William Willimon at Duke University, I actually first heard that story years ago, preached by my father, who is also a pastor. And I couldn't remember it very well. I knew it was something about a college graduate who wanted to be a missionary. So I called him up. I'm like, do you remember this story at all? I know you're retired. I know it's been years. Even do you remember who told it so I can look it up? And he said, of course, it's William Williman at Duke University. Let me just tell you the story right now. And off he goes. It'd probably been years since he told that story. <laughs> so a couple days later, I get a text. So when's worship? I think I might come. I think really he just wanted to check up on me and make sure I told the story correctly. But it's always good to worship with my dad. So welcome, dad. <laughs> And as you go from this place, know that the love of God, who is our creator, Jesus Christ, our redeemer, the Holy Spirit, our sustainer, goes with us now and always. Amen.